Hello, everyone, and welcome to Albion Obsessed. This is episode number 27, where we come to you on the back of a disappointing defeat to Manchester United at Old Trafford. But I suppose it shows you how far we've come that we can say a defeat against Manchester United is disappointing. Um, lots to talk about today, lots of controversies in the game last night. But before we dive into that, let's see who we've got with us tonight. Hello there, Joe. How are you, my friend? pissed off yeah I feel you, that's bro. it i feel you okay um toby mate it's good to see you how are you doing yes yeah doing doing well <laughs> but uh same as joe really i mean I, I just it's always deflating the day after a defeat um yeah. it always does take a little bit of a chunk out of your mental health so you know i'm, I'm hoping everyone's doing all right yeah <laughs> it's funny that isn't it because like to, i suppose to a lot of people who don't watch football it's just a game. Yeah, they just don't get it. Mm. No, but it's mm. amazing how like a defeat or a bad performance really, as you say, Toby, it really like, messes with your head. For me, um, it feels like a gut punch. It's just like such yeah. a windy feel. You're like, oh, no, oh, that happened. Mm. Yeah. How are, how are you, Curtis, mate? Apart from the gut punch, how are you, how are you doing? Well, I, I'm not angry so much. I'm quite just disappointed, really. So I've just, today oh, I've just been, I've just been worse. a bit, I've just been a bit like sort of, Blair, you know, nonchalant, just sort of like it's like it's like when your parents like say we're not angry, we're just disappointed. I was you hear like, that, that, you hear that? We're not angry. The, the dunk thing last night, I was like, dunk. <laughs> you know, I wasn't angry. I was like, bloody hell, dunk. Oh. Not again. Just, just at, at the FA for that one, mate. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure, but Absolutely. I, I just, I, I still cannot believe it. And, and I'll let, I'll let Tom, Tom get to it when it, when it comes. <laughs> yes, yeah. When it comes, there will be wrath and rage and we'll be shouting over each other about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I like to start these with going to pre-match. Um, because there was a few uh, talking points before the match even started. I'll start with our own little talking point. Um, no Tarek Lamptey and Pascal Gross. These were the two talking points on social media before the game had even started. Um, so we'll talk about Tarek Lamptey first. Joe, were you surprised to see Tarek omitted from the squad, or do you think that was the natural thing to do after 90 minutes three days ago? Uh, yeah, as you say, I'm not particularly surprised because obviously he played. Did he play full ninety minutes against Watford? Pretty much, yeah. No, he um, said yeah, he didn't get subbed off. He um he played the whole game. Right. Okay. Um. So yeah. Um. Not surprised. Um. Just obviously still having to manage him. Um. Obviously he's still quite young, so his body's still growing as well. So you don't want to, um, you know, overdo it for him. Um. And we're gonna. This sounds silly, but we're really going to need him against Burnley um, to, to open them up. They're, they proved to be a very hard team to break down, and you've got his pace from the start. You need that um, against Man United. It's it's one of those games midweek. It's, it's a free hit, really. Um, so, yeah, I would much rather have Lampsy from the start on, on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Toby, uh, Pascal Gross, he gets a lot of grief on uh, social media. I mean... We've certainly critiqued some of his performances this season on, on the pod. Um, but when you saw his name on the team sheet, how, how were you feeling? <laughs> you set me up as if I was going to start praising him. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just going to be more critique. Um, right. I, I don't, I, I like, I liked him or I like him, 
you know, he's a good set piece taker. He somehow, with the slowest Cruyff turn known to man, always gets past and gets a, a cross in or something. But it, he just, for me, he just doesn't doesn't suit. I don't know. It's it's not his fault. I, I see his quality in a side like. Man City, you know, you've got the um, the extra leg room to be able to be as slow as he might want to play it because yeah. he can be slower than find what he needs to find. But unfortunately, in this Brighton team, he just he doesn't do it for me. And I'm not sure if that is just me. And I know a lot of people have controversial opinions and get angry at each other over Pascal Gross. But for me, just doesn't doesn't seem to like hold his place in the team the same way that other midfielders do. I'd much rather see Alzati Alzati <laughs> uh, be given more of a run than see Pascal Gross in that position. Yeah, I mean we we chatted on the last podcast actually about Alzate because after having such a good performance against Chelsea, um he doesn't seem to really feature. I mean I know he came on yesterday as a sub. But yeah, fair points there, Toby. Um, and I suppose the man who was admitted in uh, in place of that, I suppose then, Curtis, was Adam Lalana. But do you think, um, similar to Tarek Lamptey, that's just about um, managing his minutes at um, his uh, old old age? I think so. I think so. He's a, he's the sort of guy you want to keep fit. He's um, he's just usually really good. He was great in the Watford game, um, and I just think maybe they are doing the best they can to try and keep him fit essentially so yeah we're going to need someone like him for Burnley definitely but I think he could have done a job at uh Manchester United but yeah I think his uh his leadership skills speak for themselves and I think because Biss really struggled yesterday in midfield yeah I, thought, I, wonder, so. I wonder if having Lalana alongside him to sort of be vocal and uh you know, do what Adam Lalana does um, might have helped. Um, and I say old, um, he's only a year older than me. It broke my heart. The other day. <laughs> when Chloe said about him being old, I was like, he's only a year older than me. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we digress. And then, of course, on the Manchester United side, um, Varane didn't start, which uh, I suppose was a bit of a, well, at the time, we thought was a bit of a blessing in disguise, didn't we, Joe? Uh, yeah, we did. Um, but, you know, uh, we can give Man United as much crap as we want. Um, but throughout their squad, they do have players that can come in and, and do somewhat of a job, a professional job to help them at least try and get a result, which in the end they did yesterday. Um, but yeah, obviously, Varane, everyone knows uh, what he's achieved in the game. Um, when you see his name not on the team sheet, you, you do sort of think, oh, thank God for that. But then you look at the other end and you see Cristiano Ronaldo. So, um, yeah, we we needed a little bit of help maybe um, to, to try and boost our confidence a bit. But, yeah, it's just one of those things. Lindelof is a good player. As much as people meme their defence, he is a decent player. So, yeah, uh, yeah, don't see much difference there, really. Yeah, definitely. Um but let's jump into it then, lads, because the first half, I think it's a fair comment to say that we were probably the better team. Uh, more possession, more shots on target, more shots altogether. Um, and we just seem to be really ticking. Um, and it just seemed to be one of those games where Manchester United didn't really seem up for it. They had their chances, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. But I'll come to you, Joe, because I asked you this question before. What on earth has Jacob Mo, Jakob Moder, I should say, done in a past life to have angered the footballing gods so much? I don't know. Um, every time he has a chance, my head's in my hands. Um, I'm just gutted for him, really. 
Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I love him. He's what, what a player he is. Um, he does everything else on the pitch so perfectly. Um, he's strong. He's that, he's that midfielder we've been missing for years. Um, and I just can't wait for him to start scoring uh, because that that just complete him as a, as a player. And um, he's got a real big future, huge yeah, future. Definitely. Uh, Toby, would it be fair to say that De Gea had to pull off an absolute worldie to prevent Yakamoto from scoring yesterday? Oh, mate, when that header comes in, I'm already, you know, I'm already hands in the sky, turning around. Yeah, yeah. Only when I've looked back to the TV to see that we've, we're on the corner, am I thinking, are you, are you kidding me? Is this man real? And, and you know what? A couple of months ago, I would have hands down said, Robert Sanchez, best Spanish goalkeeper, do not talk to me. But after last night's display and De Gea's recent performances, after, you know, you keep your eye on the footballing world, my God, what a keeper. He's probably staking his claim for number one in the Prem again. And I think on the day, you know, if we go 1-0 up there, the game is a different game. And I think, as you say, we were on top of Man United. It was it was only once we were deflated that we started sort of uh, losing that performance. And I, I, I genuinely think if we go 1-0 up there, we win that game. So credit yeah. to De Gea. Yeah, definitely. I think De Gea's always been a bit of a funny one. He has games when he looks, you know, championship standard. And in the next game, he can look, you know, prime Neuer. So he's a, he's a funny keeper. And obviously, we um we came across him at his best yesterday. Uh, but Curtis, we had a few other chances in the first half. Uh, Basuma had a yeah. shot that narrowly went wide. You spoke about Basuma sort of not feeling um, or not seeming to be his usual self yesterday. But uh, do you think that was more in the second half or did you notice that in the first half as well? Um, also in the second, I, I would I would say. It sort of felt like we came out of the gates into the second half, um, maybe a bit too comfortable, thinking like, oh, we've got this. Uh, and then we became a bit lazy. Um, and then, uh, as I say, Basuma kept losing passes and he kept getting uh, the ball taken from him. And I mean, it was uh, a fault that uh, came to the, the to the goal essentially. That's what the, yeah, yeah. And that, that was annoying. That was very frustrating. And then it just sort of seemed to tell the story of the night. Our midfield just wasn't strong enough. Yeah, I know. I think that's fair. And it's funny you talking about um, being a bit casual. I think we were guilty of that in the first half as well. Um, so yeah. in the first half, just remind you all, uh, Adam Webster gives the ball away and uh, who should be bearing down on goal than that man, Cristiano Ronaldo. Bloody forgot about that as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think even then there were warning signs that, um, you know, that being too casual at Old Trafford is a dangerous, uh, dangerous thing to be doing. Um but apart from that, Joe, did you see much goal threat from Manchester United in that first half? Uh, no, but you know they've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, there's always going to be that um, threat going forwards. As as much as people say he's old now, he's finished, etc. He's he's the best in the world. Um, no debate about it. Him and Lionel Messi are up there on exactly the same. Like there's all this debate about who who do you like more, Messi or Ronaldo? Um, I've said it to so many people. Um, you just have to respect both of them because they are unbelievable. We will never have two players like that ever again. Um, and I found myself sort of taken aback a bit as well. I know I'm digressing a bit, but when we were lining up just before the game and uh, you see Cristiano Ronaldo in the lineup alongside the Brighton team, it's mm. it was a bit of a surreal moment really because 
you know, uh, for what he's achieved and to be playing against a player like that is just fantastic for our football club. And, um, you know, uh, as, as much as people say, oh, you're, you're, you're plastic if you get excited about a player like that. I mean, come on. Um, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. You can't help. He's like a rock star. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, and I, I won't lie. When he comes to the Amex, I will be the first person to want to see him fail. But also, I'll be sat there thinking, bloody hell, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so, um, but just going back to the question, the only real trouble was obviously Ronaldo. Um I don't. I think, I don't I think Sancho had a chance as well. That yeah, he, he had a chance, but the, the decision making from him, you can see his confidence isn't quite there. Mm. Um, he needs some time to adjust to the Premier League as well. But um, yeah, not much going forward, really. Yeah. Uh, I, one thing, sorry, I just want to butt in. One thing about, um, about Ronaldo is we've got to remember that before last night's game, him and Mope were on the same amount of goals. Yeah. Um, in the Premier League, and you know, any of my friends can verify this if, if ever they need to. All week, I've been saying, you know, and this is a controversial opinion, and I want to get your guys' takes on it. But if we were to get Ronaldo in our team, I don't think he improves us. No, I agree. I I, and I'll tell you why. It's you know he he is the second in my opinion the second best player in the world and nothing is disputing that but even in Man United side they just cannot get the most out of him uh, just simply because he is not the type of player to track back in a team that is a bit lackluster at the moment like Man United and I think they were there for the taking yesterday I think it was a really big missed opportunity. Um, but, Can I just say, Toby, quickly, you say he wouldn't improve us. Um, he'd certainly strengthen our bench. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. There is that. Yeah. Um, but he just, like, when you get a team that plays around Ronaldo, where you're sort of conscious that you're always playing with 10 men, but you always have that one guy, yeah. then, yeah, you're fine. Like a Man City... I think are one of the only teams in the world that can probably pull that off at the moment. So therefore, I think that Ronaldo just... He isn't as big as a threat as I think that people make him out to be. Because every week there's all this talk about Ronaldo and yet you look at it and he had the same goals as Morpé before last night's game. Yeah. But Morpé wasn't labelled as a big threat to Man United. So... Yeah. The discussion in regards because I I agree with you, Toby, because it might on the face of it sound absolutely insane that we would think that this world class, genuine world class player wouldn't improve us. But I think I said it on the last pod, when you play Cristiano Ronaldo needs everything to revolve around him. Our team dynamic is is excellent. And I would say that we're a better team than Manchester United. Manchester United undoubtedly have better individuals. In, in positions, but I think as a cohesive team unit, we are a better team. I agree. I mean, you look at you look at the game yesterday when Sancho um, got had that shot saved by um, Sanchez. Ronaldo throws his head back, rolls his eyes, and like moans to the sky. And that happens a lot. If he doesn't get past the ball, he has a strop. You know, he's everything has to be about him. There's no under, there's no denying that he's he's absolute quality. I personally wouldn't have him in the team. Not for me, because I think he'd be too disruptive to the dynamic that Graham Potter wants to create. Um, that's yeah. my two cents on it. Um, I'm sure... You know what I find with Ronaldo? I, I, I see it a lot in the media. You see stuff like um, 
you see Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United are facing Brighton tonight. It's like he's separate to the team. Like it's really weird to me. Like it, it's what, like you said, it doesn't. They don't feel as cohesive as other other teams because it feels like he's this separate floating entity to Manchester yeah. United because he's as big as he is. Yeah, um, which is weird. I think, I think Pogba suffered from the same thing. I thought he was he thought he was bigger than the team, mm-hmm. um, which is why, similar to Toby's point about not getting the best out of Ronaldo, I don't think Manchester United have gotten the best out of Paul Pogba because his ego is almost is greater than the team. Yeah, but regardless um, of all this, that goal he scored was really good. Oh yeah, it was a bloody good goal. You know? And that's the thing, though he is he is he is quality. There's no one. There's no denying he has yeah. got that world class quality. Yeah. But whether he, you know, I, I want, I would love to be a fly in the wall of that dressing room to just to see what that sort of dynamic is like. Because I think in that squad, you've got a lot of egos. And I think that's what holds them back against team, you know, when you compare them to teams like Man City, who, again, similar to us, they seem to be a very cohesive unit. Um, no one person is like the, you know, amazing. It's not like, oh, and... Um, you know, um, what so and so and so and so, Manchester City. You know, it's not going to be Manchester City, and I know Jesus are going to be playing Brighton. It's just Man City. Yeah. You know, whereas as you say, Curtis, it's all oh, Ronaldo, Ronaldo. So anyway, we digress. Um, so first half, really good performance from us. Um, going into half time, I was quite quietly confident that if we kept that sort of intensity in our game up, that we would. You know, we'd nick a nick a win. What I would say in that first half, boys, and you know, feel free to chip in if you think I'm wrong here, was I didn't think that um, we were. Although we had were creating chances, I would I wanted to see Neil Mope getting out their defenders, you know, a bit more because I thought yeah. everything we did was just in front of their back four, and I would I wanted to see Trossard and Mope make those runs in behind because that's how you're gonna that's how you get at people like Maguire. Because he's got the turning circle of an oil tanker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, we saw that against Southampton. If you get at Maguire with pace, he, you know you're going to leave him for dead. We Unfortunately, um, Trossard was invisible. Really, I didn't. I didn't see him at all uh, out there. I didn't see him making any runs or or, mm. or anything. Um, I, I think it was know. a mistake to bring him back from injury so soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Maybe from the bench. Um, I I would be more more for that um for, for malpe um his work rate yesterday again top notch um can't really fault the work rate side of things um, and what he was trying to do uh holding up the ball um i thought he did really really well um but what he didn't have um uh, was that player running off of him um and again um like spurs felt a little bit isolated yeah it's almost becoming a running theme isn't it yes mm. If only we could have predicted this. Um, yeah, so maybe, as I say, maybe that's a bit harsh on Mope. I'm not necessarily saying it's Mope's fault. I would have just liked to see him vary his game, I suppose. Um, but anyway, we go into halftime. Um, and I think it's fair to say that Potter lost the halftime team talk um, at the two managers because we come out and some absolutely catastrophic few minutes for Brighton. So let's talk about uh, conceding the goal. So Basuma uncharacteristically... Uh, gives the ball away and before you know it who's bearing down on us than that man Cristiano Ronaldo and he puts in an absolute screamer past Sanchez um, now Curtis you've said about Basuma looking a bit um, you know last night struggled a bit do you think that Basuma was perhaps n- not up to speed of the second half or was it just complacency arrogance what do you think it was 
I think possibly complacency. I, I don't know. I just think maybe we got, you know, in the half, maybe something was said like, you know, keep doing the same thing, boys. You're doing a good job out there. And we just got comfortable with playing that way. And they just came out more up for it in the second half. Uh, because really they needed that win more than we did because they wanted to get into that top four position. So, yeah. um, you know, um, I just think we just rested on our laurels a bit and we were just picked of those sort of picked up on our mistakes, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, you said on the group chat that you thought Basuma was carrying a bit of a limp. Um, yeah, so just before um, we gave away the goal, um, he tried this little flick over on the near touchline um, and then from that was walking really gingerly um, and then he found himself again in, in the middle of the park. I think it was Dunk or Webster who played the ball to him. He's turned to have a look and see who he can play it to um, but as I say, just before that um, moving really, really um, badly. Um, looking at the bench as well a little bit maybe thinking you know, bring on somebody to you know i i can't carry on um and then obviously what happened has happened so i think his head just wasn't in the game at that moment um and when you lose your concentration against manchester united and you got cristiano ronaldo um two feet away from you it's game over definitely uh toby i was thinking about this on my drive home from work tonight um i've been thinking about the season as a whole and i've been thinking about the goals we concede um, and I've come to the conclusion, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, mate. Do you think Brighton are almost the architects of their own downfall? Because I can't think of a game where we've been outplayed as such. We just seem to lose concentration, make mistakes, and it always seems to lead to the opposition scoring. What are your thoughts on that, mate? Yeah, I mean, football, particularly at a Premier League level, uh, I think, is a game of... Uh, inches and a game of mis- mistakes i think yeah. no no football game is played where a mistake hasn't been the reason for a goal being scored mm. i think with brighton's play style i just think it means that when one of those mistakes are made it costs us a goal and it, i think it looks worse on us but you could go and watch a southampton game where they make a misplaced pass or they make a bad touch that leads to a goal it's just they made the bad touch with one of their strikers but they they then counterattack and score so i think it's you know, it, it looks worse than it, I think it actually is. And I don't think it's a, a glaring problem. I don't think that, for example, Lewis Dunk getting all the slander that he's getting, I don't think that it's it's someone's fault or anything. I just think it's the way that we're set up makes our mistakes look worse than they actually are um, sure. compared to the benefit we get. I think it's the same sort of risk and reward basis, but just, you know, we look worse for it. And I, I, I applaud both the players and Graham Potter for sticking to that because other teams might do it once, make the mistake and then be like, well, actually we look bad on that one. But actually I think you need to credit the team where it's due that they do have the balls to play like that. Oh yeah, definitely. As you say, the risk reward factor, I think has worked in our favor more than it has gone the other way. Um, but no, thank you for your thoughts on that, mate. Cause uh, I just wondered if I was talking out my, uh, my ass. Um, so, uh, let's get onto it then. You mentioned their donkey getting slammed a lot on social media at the moment. Um, the first question I'm going to ask you boys, I just want a yes and no, yes or no answer. And we'll dive into those in a minute. 
So uh, Dunkey, again, too casual, gets caught in possession, reaches out, brings the man down. Referee goes and gives Dunkey a yellow card. VAR intervene and say, go and look at the monitor. Ref changes his decision to a red card. So my question to you boys, just yes or no, was it a red card, Joe? Oh, we can one. we can we can go into the ins and outs okay. of it in a minute. Just for now. It's, it's a tough one. Um no. Okay. Uh Toby. No. And Curtis. Full house. No. Yeah, and mine's a no as well. So, Joe, you're obviously wrestling with that decision a bit because it's a tough one. So, Joe, let's put your thoughts uh, across to the listeners out there. Uh, why, in your opinion, was it a tough call? It is uh, something I always do when there's a dodgy decision that goes against Brighton is I think of if it was happening against us. No, sorry, for us. If it was at the other end of the pitch, basically. Um, and I think that I would probably be calling for a red card if it was Maguire. I, you know, that that's that's my honesty. Um, but then when you look back at it and when you review things, obviously hindsight is an amazing thing. Um, that's why there's VAR, but does it need to be intervened when it's not clear and obvious? That's the real argument. Um, the referee's making a decision. Why is it being intervened? Um it's not clear and obvious because Adam Webster um, is, is there. Um, and you see an extended highlight of when Adam Webster actually gets to the ball. I know, obviously, um, I can't remember his name. Ghana or whatever his name is. Elanga. Um, obviously, yes, he's pulled down. He has got a bit of pace. So, But then Webster is there and, and will have the opportunity to tackle him. So um, I'm not overly sure on, on the rules there and... But it's it's last man, and there's Adam Webster. So how can it be last man? Um, it, it's a it's a as I say, it's a really tough one. Hmm. Anything to add on that, Toby? Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I've got a couple of things. So first of all, I think he went down far too easily, looking for it. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. He's he's thought this is going to be a red. I'm going and I'm making a meal of this. Um. I think normally if you've got that striker's instinct, you try and like muscle off whatever's coming your way and try and go through. But he, he just went, took the easy route out, I think. Um, second of all, not to say that it's not a foul. I think it was a foul. Um, second of all, uh, you look at when we played Man United last season and Danny Welbeck was in the box. Yeah, you beat me to that point, yeah. I think it was a very similar challenge. Yeah, yeah, we had, the, yeah. yeah, exactly the same, basically. And yet we had no penalty. They had no cards. And that was in the box. And you're thinking, hang on, Danny Welbeck was loose there. Didn't get to take a shot because of it. So when you look at those two factors, you ask for refereeing consistency, you've got to say no red card. I think, though, however, it should have been a foul and a yellow card. And I do agree with what Joe said. I believe Webster would get there. It's not last man. Never a red for me. Do I think it would have changed the result of the game? No, I think we were probably too... With the one goal, I think we were probably too far gone at that point. But nor do I blame Lewis Dunk. I think it was clumsy, but I don't I don't think Lewis Dunk is at fault either. Yeah. And Curtis, what were your thoughts, mate? Pretty much showing Toby echoed a lot of what I was thinking. Um, although... 
you know, again, I don't have anything bad to say to say about Dunk. As I said to you before the pod, you know, I wasn't angry. I was just really disappointed with it because, you know, he should be knowing better than to do things like that. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, it just didn't look like a red to me. It just, it, you know, again, like with the whole Webster thing, I, I thought a Webster could have, you know, got that out or whatever. He was close enough to... Uh, it was just it was just very frustrating. The whole situation was very frustrating, and it took so long as per usual. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating. I don't know what else to say about it, really. So, oh yeah, yeah I'll toss your mind back as well to Dunphy versus Palace. That was a red card where he was frustrated and lost his head, and that is a is something that has happened to Dunphy in the past. I think I recall one maybe against Rotherham or something back in the Championship. Um, I can't remember exactly. QPR. Uh, that was it. QPR where he, he loses his head and makes a frustrate fr- tackle out of frustration. This is one that that he didn't do. I don't think this was Dunk's like uh, aggression showing. I think no. it was just a, a pure mistake and unfortunately just a lapse of concentration has cost him his place in the yeah. match and, and I, I still disagree with the decision, however, yeah. but Yeah. It was no doubt about it. It was a foul, as you say. It was sloppy, it was casual. But what really, <laughs> yeah, just that, that sigh, isn't it? And I am going to rant a little bit, and I do apologise. Um, no, please do. I think I know what you're going to say, so please, please do. <clears throat> so, whether or not, uh, so let's say, so as you say, Joe, Lewis Dunk was not categorically, objectively, he was not the last man. The discussion regarding whether Webster would or wouldn't have gotten there is subjective. That is not we could. We never know. We can't. We'll be able to tell what would have happened if play had continued. We won't know that. But what we can say is objectively, Dunk was not the last man, um, and therefore the referee's initial decision to award a yellow card is not a clear and obvious error. VAR is only meant to intervene in if an official has made a clear and obvious error. So I do not understand the justification for that happening, and it makes me really cross that the referee bottled the decision when his initial reaction was the right one. And it, it infuriates me to think that that big clubs like Manchester United get these decisions because of who they are and because of who, they pl- who they're playing and where they're playing. So like Toby said, last season, we had a stonewall penalty denied to us because it was Manchester United. Seasons ago, we got given a penalty awarded against us after the game had finished because it was Manchester United. Yeah. It is really difficult to accept these decisions as not some sort of top six bias when you, they're just starting to stack up. Was it a foul? Yes. Was it worthy of a card? Yes. Was it a red? No. And what really makes me cross is the lack of consistency, as Toby has said, because later in the game, Luke Shaw should have seen a second yellow card. Wasn't given. Uh, Veltman was told, took a quick free kick, was told to bring it back. Um, and then that, and then the play continued or whatever. However, later in the game, before United scored their second goal, McAllister was fouled. The referee gave it the other way and let and let Pogba take a quick free kick. The lack of consistency is appalling. The officiating in this country, the levels of it, as Aaron has said before, is absolutely appalling. 
and, and it's not I just with us as well it's no it's, it's not we're not yeah. we're not the only team that this happens to and i totally get that and regarding your point joe about saying like if this had been us you know we would have screamed out for a red and i do i get that i get that argument but there is still an objective sort of that's right that's wrong and it was just mm -hmm. the wrong decision for var to intervene it was the wrong decision and it it, it turned the head on its game I turned the head on its game. That's how angry I am. I get my sentences out. It turned the game on its head. Um, and it just makes me so angry. So, so angry. You and know, I've got two theories. Sorry, Tom. I've got no, go two ahead, theories. Go. So either A, the, re the ref has seen and, and VAR have seen Cristiano Ronaldo barreling down towards the referee and screaming in his face. I yeah. saw it. I was like, come like on, mate. Right in his face. Yeah. Right up mm -hmm. in his face. When you've got Cristiano Ronaldo screaming at you, he th you think, oh, he's so good at football, he must be right. Mm -hmm. That's just simply not the case. He's so good at football because he, he knows how to try and win everything. He battles everything. And then that's my first theory, is that the ref has just been like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna allow... You know, VAR are going to intervene to get me out of this situation. And then we're just going to overturn it because I'm scared of Ronaldo or what Ronaldo might say. The second theory is that I think, and this is, you know, put my tinfoil hat on for this one. The the FA simply want, or the Premier League simply want their star players to shine. And I'm sorry, but players like. Lewis Dunk or whatever, they aren't the Premier League star boys. You want to see your Bernardo Silvers, your Kevin De Bruyne's, your Cristiano Ronaldo's. You want to see them always doing well and, you know, they're always scoring goals. They're always pretty, looking looking nice for the cameras. And I think that is why the big six bias exists. Because I saw Ronaldo doing his hair during a bloody corner. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, and, and uh, I saw one as well of Mason Mount during his VAR check for the red card the other day, where he was sorting his hair and stuff. So you know, it's it's I'm not sure what it is, but you it is so right, and everyone always says it. There is a big six bias with VAR decisions, yeah. and if if that's going to be the case, you've just got to remove VAR and take it back to this luck-based roller dice system. I really hope there's a big re uh, review of the officiating in this country because, as you say, it's a, a shocking standard. Um, I saw a game televised in the Australian League where the guy was mic'd up yeah. to the ref on VAR and it showed it all on TV, really clear, really consistent. They were like, okay, if it's not hit his hand, then it's uh, offside. If it has hit his hand or whatever, you know, they were talking about it. They were talking mm. about it and we heard it. Yeah, it would be nice to have that transparency. Definitely. Bring, bring that, bring that to this country. Yeah. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to hear... I don't want to hear, oh, Ronaldo told me it's a foul, it's a foul. I want to hear, okay, yeah. Lewis Dunk was doing this to this guy. He was about a metre off the ball. Webster was four metres off the ball. This is why we think it's a red. Yeah, okay, yeah. give the red, mate. Just there's, clearly, there's clearly a reason why they don't have that. And yeah. it's because it's because of those conversations. It's, it's because the referee doesn't want to explain himself. Yeah. Uh, because they're giving... Re, uh, you know, uh, free kicks, penalties, decisions to to players like that because of the name on the back of their shirt, and it is is disgraceful. Yeah. It must come. I mean, you know, on the flip side, it must come across to like the top six fans as almost a bit like petulance for us sure. to say. Almost, but as like I said to you last night, Joe, it's when you've had the decisions go your way for so long, you get so used to it. But in my opinion, you've said you spot you've hit the nail on the head. In the A League, they tested Mike in the ref uh, up. They do it in rugby. 
and uh, you know the tmo in rugby it works and also what i think we could take from rugby is only the captain is allowed to approach the referee um yeah. because you get none of this referee disrespect you would not have a rugby player going up to a referee and screaming in his face screaming for a red card it just wouldn't happen um and there's so there's a lot that football could borrow from rugby union um because hearing the ref have that conversation with the tmo and the tmo in rugby they never tell the ref um what the correct decision should be it's just i think you should have another look at this um but the decision last night it was it was farcical in my opinion really farcical it got me so angry as i say there lots of inconsistencies um from then on out really i I just want to sorry tom just to cut in uh, very quickly to make this point um i also want to um say about when referees go to the monitor um you you just know instantly the moment the referee's going to the monitor that they're going to overturn it and the players know that as well because when it cut back to lewis dunk um he he knew the captain armband was off of his arm Mm -hmm. he knew he was going um i don't know who took over the captain's armband um, but it, it wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't on his arm anymore. So, um, what's what's the point in going to the screen if you're just gonna look yeah. at it, pretend to look at it for 10, 20 seconds, and then come back and go, "Oh yes, I've made my decision now." No, you haven't. You've looked Cristiano at the screen Ronaldo and thought you, you've thought what's gonna look better on match of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's disgraceful, really disgraceful. It, it's just selling the spectacle at the end of the day. Uh, no, uh, and I'm sorry to say it, boys, and, and it really does feel like it. It really feels like I've got the tinfoil hat on, but every week there's some other... And I, sorry, I don't want to swear or anything. I know we, we normally do allow swearing, but I don't want to because <laughs> I feel like it will make my argument sound a lot worse. There is There is something going on every week where one you look at it and the not the mind just boggles. You have no idea how yeah. someone's come to that decision. Yeah. You've seen it, and I'm not I'm not talking just football anymore either. You've seen it in F1 this year. Yeah. You've seen it in the only sport actually that you mentioned is probably like rugby and cricket. You know, and I mean even even cricket has its fair share of cheats. Um, just. Yeah. Just, I, I, I don't like the way that money is influencing everything, especially mm. football at the moment. It really feels like something's got to be staged. It re- and I, I got my tinfoil hat right on. But the it, difference, it's... sorry, Toby, I was just going to say the difference is, is rugby union. I don't want to make this a rugby podcast, but um, I watch a lot of rugby and, and I like rugby. I know a lot of football fans don't like it. Um, and slate the game and slate the people involved with the game. Um, but it's a respect sport. You will yeah. not find many rugby players, probably 5% of rugby players that are disrespectful towards the officials. You watch a rugby game start to finish, it is incredible. Obviously, some of the refereeing sometimes is dodgy and stupid. Um, a lot of the refereeing stuff, though, with rugby is the difference in hemispheres between southern and northern. Yeah. But as you say, Joe, it's, like, it's a different culture. Uh, in rugby, yeah, in rugby, you there's fans mingle. You know, there's no Brighton and Manchester United or mm. anything like that. They all mingle together, and you're allowed to drink beer because rugby fans behave themselves. <laughs> so <laughs> it's I, I get it. It's a culture thing. It's a different culture. 
Um, you I'd know, also it, say it's extremely rare, sorry again to butt in, I'd also say it's extremely fine. rare to see instances of racism, homophobia, prejudice against anyone uh, at a rugby game. Um, I don't know why football breeds this toxic atmosphere. I don't know why it's it's uh, being advertised in that way as well. You know, it's always advertised in that way that people hate each other or whatever. I mean, that's the thing. Have more respect. People let these rivalries just take over their lives. Like really, in the at the end of it, it means nothing. You know, you watch ninety minutes of football and you go home, and that that's that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know why you you carry so much weight in something that happened seventy years ago. Yeah, I, I couldn't care less if I go to Asda and I bump into a, a Palace fan. I'll, I will happily stand there and I chat think to them twice. about football. No, I will happily stand there and chat about football to them until the cows come home. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how old you are. If you want to talk about football with me and have a decent conversation about yeah, respectful it, respectful conversation. My views, mm-hmm. I'll respect yours, and that's yeah. what it's about. Let's I, about- I do think that's a good segue. Um, sorry again to interrupt, Tom. <laughs> no, but I do right. think that's a really good I segue. Feeling you've been talking about what I want to talk about. So go yeah, ahead. yeah, I, well, it fits perfectly. So why don't we? Um, some of the, the the horrid things we've seen on Twitter this week. Uh, I think all of us, you know, I'm, I'm not very active on Twitter anyway. I keep my eye on it for Brighton news and Brighton opinions, but I don't really post all that much. But sometimes you've just got to put it down. And this this has been one of those one of those nights, I think. Uh, the toxicity towards like Lewis Dunk, for example, people saying he's finished and he should be out of the team. Listen, guys, I know I said Lewis Dunk to Burnley on the podcast, but that was only a joke, all right? <laughs> Don't need to take it seriously. <laughs> uh, uh, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, well, well. I, I think again, I think it's the, kind of like the Mopay thing. You know, he has one bad game, and everyone's like, he's terrible. Why is he in the club? Like, you know, Dunk makes one silly little decision, you know, which you know gets him a card or whatever, and that's it. He's done. You know, it's just yeah. like, but then he he can go he can go on to a, his next game and have an outstanding game, score a header or whatever. And people are like he's the best player we've ever that's had. The issue. It's just petty, petulant little people. That's all it is. That is that is the issue. People on mm. Twitter, these, I, right? I, I I like a few of them, so I don't want to single them out and 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 sort of group them all as as the same. Um, but this is the only way I can describe it. These fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old people who hide behind footballers' faces um, and have Trossard season in their bio or whatever, those people... Not, not aimed at anyone then, Joe. <laughs> it's, it's not... Uh, that, that's, a, that's a complete made-up... season. That's a complete made-up thing. I don't know if that's a real thing. Um, I actually think that exists, but, funny enough. Oh, I, if, if it does, I'm sorry. <laughs> if it does, I'm, I'm sorry. And But... It, it, it is those people that you see mostly um, that um, engage in these really toxic um, yep. ways um, and they are so fickle. One mm. moment is like, I love you, Lewis Dunk. You're my captain. You're going to take us to the European Championships. You're going to win us the Europa League. Um, you know, I, I couldn't love you anymore right now. And then as you say, Curtis, the next moment, He's getting sent off against United because of two seconds worth of elapsing concentration. Yeah. And now and, he's finished. And, yeah, now he shouldn't play for our football and club again. And he's been injured for like a stupid amount of time. Exactly. Too. I'm sorry, but yeah. this is a man who's played over 300 games for Brighton and Hove Albion Football Club. Respect him because he is the one of the best captains you will ever see in the Premier League 
and in a Brighton shirt. Obviously, well up there with Bruno. I'm not putting any disrespect on the captains gone by, but Lewis Dunk is a club legend. Respect one him. of our own. You know, from Withdean to Wembley, he's been one of our own. And, and I don't know why I was holding a pen in that, by the way, but solid. <laughs> Take that Trossard season. Yeah, yeah Trossard <laughs> season, yeah. It's, I think we, we on this podcast, we will critique players' performances. Mm. We will say, Lewis Dunk, silly, sloppy, um, definitely a foul. But we do this in a way where we, we critique, we, we use critical thinking skills, and we discuss with respect, even if we disagree. But these people on Twitter seem to lack any sort of, and maybe it's a maturity thing, I don't know, but the people, these people seem to lack sort of any sort of, you know, just a thing in their head that makes them think, maybe this isn't the best thing to say, or maybe I haven't thought about this enough. Because to, to say that, as you say, Joe, one of the best captains we've ever had, one of our own, a Sussex-born lad who has seen us go to, from, you know, League One, to the highs of the Premier League, top 10 Premier League, to say that he is done after, admittedly, a poor game against Tottenham and not a not-so-great game last night or a not-so-great decision-making last night, um, to say that he's finished after having three months out is just absurd. And all you and do... Kept, and kept a clean sheet against Watford. But Yeah, exactly. it looked good at Watford, yeah. But all you do is you just highlight your complete lack of football knowledge. And... I mean, <laughs> I just want to cast everyone's minds back to when we played Man City at home. That clearance off the line is is world class. There is mm. there is not there's probably four or five defenders in the world that have made a clearance like that. And you're telling me he's finished? That was that was four, three or four months ago, just before the injury. Yeah. Uh, listen, everyone's going to have a rough patch after an injury. Decision making, things like last night, they will just go because you haven't, you've, you've not played a lot of matches. You're not, you know, you're not in the swing. He'll be in the swing three or four games time, and we will be singing his praises again. Trust me on that. Yeah. And listen, I've been one in the past. You know, my more pay run was was a little bit too hasty this season. We'll go back to it again. Uh, you know, I, but I wasn't sitting there saying, you know... No, I have to full screen you again now, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just said, you know, he, I, I never said he was finished. I never said any of that. I just said, you know, he needs to run out of the team. I think we need to get someone else in while he has a run out of the team just to make him have some competition again. Because at the time, Aaron Connolly was basically his only competition who now he's the one that's been binned off. I said, that's the difference, Toby. You're willing to give like constructive sort of criticisms. You don't hate the guy. You know, you you, like me, you know, you have a lot of respect for these players. and that's why you want them to do really well. And that's why you think maybe give someone else a bit of a chance, give them a rest, blah, blah, blah. The um, other issue, yeah. um, sorry, Curtis, the other issue Fun. is that people see them as FIFA players. They see yeah. them as a stat. They see them as these robots who can play 90 minutes every single day. They're not. They are human beings. I know they're elite athletes, but they are human beings who will burn out. If you yeah. carry on, they are humans with feelings who yeah. read social media, exactly who read right. the news, who get vibes off of people. So, you know, pr- protect them because yeah. they represent our football club and you want our football club to succeed. So stop being so effing disrespectful. Because you think you think that your striker, hypothetically, in whatever team you support, 
reads online like, oh, X person missed this goal, which means you're terrible. I don't want to see you in my team anymore. Like, do you think that's going to make them feel any better or make them want to score? Yeah, because yeah. I wouldn't imagine it would. So Ronaldo's, missed, Ronaldo's missed it as in his career. He has. Yeah. He's missed open goals. Exactly. Yeah. Messi's mm. missed open goals. You and I have missed my open goals probably in the park. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what does that? I mean, I am basically Ronaldo. Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, I, yeah, I, I think I think just one one last thing to say is yeah. remember what Lewis Dunk has done for you. Mm-hmm. Give him more time to decide if he's finished or not. Because, yeah. you know, if he doesn't improve between now and the end of the season, you'd probably be saying, actually, yeah, maybe he does need to run out of the team. But trust me on this, Lewis Dunk isn't finished. Lewis Dunk to Burnley is not happening yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, just just please give people a chance before we slate them. Yeah, and yeah. it's not up to you, Trossard season. <laughs> so... Um, I'm so sorry if that is a real thing. I just want to go on record and say I literally made it up. Full screen um, apology yeah. next week to Trossard yeah. season. Literally, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, so, um, the second half, uh, I'm not going to go too much into detail because I think we've said what we needed to say um, about the game in total. It seemed very much there for the taking at halftime. It slowly descended into madness uh, thanks to some really poor officiating and some poor decision-making, um, inconsistencies, as we've said, with Luke Shaw not getting the second yellow, the free quick free-kick things. Um, but in the end, the game ends 2-0. And I think it's one of those games where if you had just seen the result, it, you wouldn't know just how close a 10-man Brighton team ran Manchester United. Um, yep. Jakob Moda came very close to scoring. Oh, that beautiful shot off right. the bar. Oh. Um, and I think I genuinely think he's going to be, as you say, Joe, a player to watch um, in the in the next couple of, for the remainder of the season and next season as well. I'm going to make a prediction, by the way. On, quickly. I think he's going to score at Burnley. Oh, I'd love that. Please, I'd absolutely please. love it. Um, so what, what I'm going to do, boys, is I'm going to now push you for a man of the match, if I may. Um, I have a feeling I know who you're all going to say, but uh, I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, Joe, who was your man of the match? Lewis don't know. Um, uh, Jakob Moda. <laughs> uh, how about you, Toby? Uh, yeah, I think it's it's hard to say anyone else. You know, that header should have been a goal. That one that hit the crossbar could have been a goal. He could have been the one that brought it back to 2-2 single-handedly. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, got, it's got to be Jakob Moda. Yeah. Curtis, any different? or? Uh, yeah, I, I agree uh, to an extent, but I also say that there were some issues with 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 Sanchez, but I thought he, he made some incredibly good saves as well. Um, but there was definitely some errors with him again, uh, which just seems to be a bit of a pattern, unfortunately. But I'm I'm sure he'll. Um, he's young. He's yeah, young. Exactly. Um, he did make that uh, glaring error. He passed the ball to Ronaldo, um, but then pulled off an absolutely fantastic save. It reminded yeah. me a lot of. Um, it was, oh, it was forever ago. I think it was Ben Roberts. Ben Roberts dribbled the ball out of his area, lost the ball, <laughs> ran back, conceded a penalty, and then saved the penalty. <laughs> it reminded me of that. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, my man of the match, uh, like you boys, I've gone for Jakob Moda as well because I thought he looked absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yes, there we go. So um, that just leads us then, boys, for the last few minutes then to just look ahead to the weekend because we go again. I think we need to take that the positives. It would sound like Graham Potter. Uh, take the positives from our performance against Manchester United because there were many. Um, and I think, you know, we'll go ahead to Burnley 
as you say, Joe, Burnley, tough team to beat, tough team to break down. Um, but surely it's a home game. We can we can break Burnley down, can't we? Uh, you take nothing for granted in this league. Um, they, <laughs> they yes, they they are bottom of the Premier League, I think, aren't they? Yeah. Still, yeah, but... with a few games in hand, um, so I'll, I'll give them that. But it's Burnley. Um, you know, they're a physical side. Um, you always know what you're going to get with them. Um, it could be one of those dross nil-nil games where we just can't break them down. Um, I I would love to sit here and say we're playing bottom of the league, so we're going to win 6-0. Um, but, that, you know, as, as you've said many times, Tom, it's not the Brighton way. Um, so, yeah, um, I'd like to sit here and say we're going to win. Um, I, I, I think we will win. Um, but it's not going to be easy. No. Uh, Toby, is there anything or anyone you would particularly like to see have a run out against Burnley? I'd just like Lam- uh, Lamptey to start again. Um, I think that we look a much better side with him in the team. He always just brings that belief. You know what I mean? I, I always believe when he's on the pitch. Sometimes I can watch Brighton and think there's absolutely no chance. But when he's on the pitch, I've always got that. Um, talking about the game itself, I'd probably just hazard a guess. Are we doing predictions now? I'll do them in a minute, mate. All right, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Weghorst, doubtful. No Chris Wood, the the sec- second Brighton striker that never was. Or yeah. It was, was at one stage, but... <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think I think we'll be all right. Yeah. Curtis, do you think we'll see the return of Shane Duffy? Yes, I think so. But to, to, to talk about the game, it's it's always a tough game, I think, against Burnley. We we always seem to struggle. And unfortunately, the last few games I've seen have been quite boring, <laughs> nil-nil draws. Um, but I, I feel, I don't know, I feel strangely confident um, about it. I feel like we could probably get some points out of it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those where on paper... Um... You know, you look at it and think this is definitely a game we can get points up from. It's at home. Burnley don't carry much of a goal threat, but they are incredibly tough to break down. And I do think um, it's a game made for Shane Duffy because, you know, he's the kind of man who would header a meter away from your nan's house if you asked him to. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to push you now, boys, for some score predictions. Curtis, I'm going to come to you first. Um, As I said, I'm feeling somewhat confident, so I'm going to say 2 0 win. as I say, I'm going to go Modder because I, I feel it's coming. I mm. definitely feel like it's coming. <laughs> I feel like probably Modder and I'm going to just say Mope for the second leg. Okay. Uh, how about you, Toby? Yeah, just looking down now at the league table, um, we can't really move anywhere after this game. Um, but it would be nice to get another one, like another win, just a little buffer on uh, Southampton. You know what? We've not had... Um, this season, I feel like we've not really had the opportunity to breathe easy during a game for a long, long time. Mm. And I, I'm hoping, and you know, I keep making bold predictions on, on the podcast and keep being wrong. I'm going to go a little bit more realistic and go for a 3-1, but their one is going to be a consolation goal right near the end so that we we get a nice breathe easy game. Uh, I'd say I'd like to see McAllister on the score sheet, I think. Yeah, and then we'll go. We'll go for Lamptey on the score sheet as well because he he doesn't score all, all all too much. So yeah, let's let's go with that. Three one. Awesome. And finally, Joe. Right. Let's speak this into existence, Curtis. You've said it. 
Jakob Moda is going to score. He is. Yes. Universe, can you hear me? Um, and I would like a breathe easy game. Yeah. Um, so let's go 3 0. Let's go for a, a Jakob Moda brace. Go on. Give us two. It's like London buses. You wait for one um, and then two come at once. Um, and you just have to say Malpe, don't you? He's, he's the main man. He's, he's going to get yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with 2 0 to Brighton. Um, I, we say it all the time, but it just so so much of it depends on what team Potter puts out. If we go back three, Lamptey and Kukurea as wing backs, I think we'll uh, we'll cause them a lot of trouble. Um, and I'm going to go. F- I think if anyone's going to score, it's going to be Jakob Moda, isn't it? The, the way he's <laughs> playing at the moment. Um, so I'm going to go with Moda and Mope for my scorers as well. Nice. So we'll just have to hope that we come away with three points. I've just got one last thing to say, Tom. Yes, mate. Uh, Tony Bloom. He went to Europe in a brand new Skoda. And he brought us back a magic man. A magic man? Jakob. Jakob Moda. Wow. Beautiful. Um, excellent red from was amazing. Um, I think they should probably turn that into a chant. That's a really so, good, I think good idea. Oh. And a flag as well, maybe. I don't know. I've seen that you should, you should pitch that. Maybe, yeah. maybe someone who's really clever could do like mm. a, little, a little sticker that's like got the Skoda badge. Oh, I like that. Skoda. Mm. If only we knew. If only we knew someone. Pop it on a T-shirt as well. Lovely. Brilliant. Off Angel's design. That's for you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So that leads us to the end of our episode today. Thank you to Joe, Curtis and Toby for spending the hour with us. Take it easy, Albion Obsessed listeners, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe for more. Take it easy. (laughs) 